enjoy songs that involve, you know, confessing our love for the Lord, but I think it's so extremely important that we sing songs like we just sang about his love for us, amen, because our love for him is in direct proportion to our understanding of his love for us. In other words, we love him because he loved us first, and so, um, amen, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us, amen, we, we need to remind ourselves of that. That's why I think in, in the Gospel of John, John never referred to himself by name. He always referred to himself as that one the Lord loved. <laughs> because he was just constantly reminding himself of the love that God has for him. It's something very, very important for us to remember. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, our children can be dismissed to a children's church. Sister Pam's got some good things uh, prepared for uh, them this morning. Let's, uh, let's pray over the tithes and offerings. Father, um, we're givers. Lord, we're born of you. We've become a partaker of your divine nature through the new birth. And Father, your nature is the nature of, of a giver. Father, it's easy for us to give. We enjoy giving. Father, generosity is, um, is who we are. It's not just something we try to develop and practice, Lord, but it's at the very heart and root of, of who we are. And so, Father, we give this morning as unto you. We pay our tithes this morning in obedience to your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to participate in your kingdom economy. I thank you, Lord, that 2022 is a year of increase. Um, Father, we hear so much talk about inflation and the cost of everything going up. Well, Father, um, our, our financial well-being and prosperity is not linked to this world, but it's linked to your kingdom. And so we thank you, Father, that you are the God of more than enough. And we give fearlessly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. I'm trying to pull my notes up here this morning. Are you blessed? <clears throat> Praise God. I mentioned this um, at the beginning of the service, but I'll mention it again. I thank you for your prayers. Amen. Um, we had a, a wonderful trip, the minister's conference, and I uh, got back on Saturday and really started feeling poorly and uh, fever spiked and all that stuff, but uh, the goodness of God. Amen. I am uh, I'm healed of the Lord and uh, thankful that I'm um, that the name of Jesus is above the name of COVID, amen? And um, so we are uh, just rejoicing together and uh, praying for you. I know we've still got some folks that are uh, dealing uh, with some symptoms, but um, thank God for uh, his goodness, amen. So um, there have been times in my life when this would have really kind of like rattled me a little bit, um, but that's not happening right now. For some reason, uh, none of my notes uh, are here with me this morning, but... Um, but they're here, praise God, and uh, I can preach without them if I have to. Amen. I guess a dumb question, Christy, do you have them? I mean, obviously not that she has mine, but she has, um, well, praise God. Amen. I'm going to try that one more time, and then we're just going to get into the Word. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? Are you thankful? Amen. Praise God. Everything says it's connecting. Everything says it's right there, so... Uh, Amen, in Jesus' name. So while we're waiting on that, let's just talk for a minute, okay? Jesus said something to his disciples, and, and of course by him saying it to them, he was uh, saying it to us in John the 14th chapter. And he just, he said this, he said, if you love me, um, John 14 and 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, 
keep my commandments. Now, he used a word that is unique to the Greek language that he spoke when he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He used the word agape. He said, if you agape me, keep my commandments. If you agape me, keep my commandments. Now, the word agape is translated in our English Bible as the word love. So that's why we get, if you love me, keep my commandments. But what Jesus actually said to them was, if you agape me, keep my commandments. Agape is um, one of the Greek words that distinguishes um, uh, a, a specific uh, expression of love or a specific way that a, a, a person can love another uh, person. What we often think of when we hear the word um, uh, uh, love is the Greek word philo, and that's spelled P-H-I-L-E-O. And um, the word philo, also translated, by the way, love in, in our English Bible, um, it has to do with fond, affectionate feelings for another person. And so this is, you know, what we often think of when we hear love. You know, we have love in our heart for someone. Um, we think of those uh, feelings, those emotions, where we have a special place in our heart for somebody. Or, you know. and, and listen, both of, of these uh, experiences, expressions of love, come from God. Um, he, he created these things. He created, you know, our ability to experience these kinds of emotions. But where we get into trouble is when we confuse one for the other. Now, I was doing some writing last week, and, and this was kind of how I, I stated it in, in writing, where these words may be a, a little bit awkward for us, you know, philo, agape, you know, we'd rather just simplify it and call everything love, but that would be a mistake, because when Jesus said these words, you know, to the original audience that heard them, they absolutely knew the difference between philo and agape. They absolutely understood that they were both related to, to love, but they also knew that philo was not agape and agape was not philo. Uh, now, here's the simple way. Uh, in other words, they knew that in the same way that we know cake and pie are both desserts, right? But they're not the same thing. And, and so philo and agape both love, but they're not the same thing. And so Jesus um, obviously uh, used the word agape when he said, if you agape me, keep my commandments. So agape is different from philo in the sense that agape has to do with um, love as an act of the will. It, agape is when you choose to esteem or value another person and you choose to do good to them um, even if they're not nice or good to you. And of course, this is the kind of love that our Heavenly Father has for us. But he also has philo for us. He also has another one, which is called sturgio, sturgio is pronounced different ways, which is like a family kind of love. 
Um, and so we see, again, some of these complexities of the Greek language that we do not have in the English language, but thank God we have resources that we can go in and understand um, these you know, different words and different meanings. And, and because again, that's what's most important here is that we understand the meaning. We understand what Jesus meant here. See, if we only look at love as philo, then, and Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, then it's very easy for us to get the impression that he's trying to manipulate us because, you know, if you loved me, you would do this for me. If you, you know, that, that's, that's how, you know, people with a very shallow understanding of love, very limited understanding of love, they would view a statement like that as someone trying to manipulate you, someone trying to tug at your heartstrings and manipulate you into, if you, if you really love me, you would buy me that, or if you really love me, you would give me that. If you really love me, you'd do this for me. Jesus is not manipulating, are you hearing me? He is not manip manipulative at all. This is not... This is not what he's talking about here. And remember, every word that comes out of his mouth comes out of his mouth with your benefit, your best interest in mind. He is wanting to, um, for you to experience something uh, of, of, of blessing and benefit uh, in, in your life as well. Now, in the course of our study, and I felt compelled to, uh, to review uh, these things this morning, and so I appreciate you uh, bearing with me for just a moment. I'm not going to go through all the details. We've preached uh, two sermons on, on this already. But in the course of our study, we've looked at, um, at three uh, distinct places where people confused philo for the Lord with agape for the Lord. The first one we looked at was Peter. The first one we looked at was Peter. Remember, Peter was always boasting about how much he loved God and, and, and what he was going to do and how he would die for him and, and all of these other things. Well, we know that when the pressure was applied to Peter, he denied that he even knew Jesus three times. When Jesus restored him, the clues to what was lacking in his life are evident in the way Jesus publicly restored Peter. He asked him, he said, do you agape me, Peter? And Peter kept uh, responding by, I philo you, because in his mind, a philo, warm, fond, affectionate feelings for the Lord, was, was superior to um, the, the nuts and bolts of, of an agape, loving as an act of the will. The one part that I, that, I, that I failed to explain, amen, is that when we talk about agape, we're talking about things like honor, respect, devotion, commitment, responsibility, faithfulness. Are you with me this morning? See, all of these things are associated with agape, all right? Philo is just kind of this whole happy-go-lucky feeling caught up in the whirlwind of love, romance, so forth and so on. But how many of you understand at this point in your life that feelings can be very fickle? Feelings can change. That's why we're called to live by faith, not by feelings. God created you and me as emotional beings. He created us with the ability to experience and express emotions. But those emotions were always meant to be a blessing to you and to serve you, but never, ever, ever were they meant to, to dictate to you or dominate uh, you and determine what you do and how you respond in life and in situations. Amen. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So it's very easy for us because feelings can seem so real. Are you with me? I mean, feel, this is why feelings can be so deceptive, 
Because we, we can have just such a, a rush of emotion and, and, and we can get so you know, caught up in, in a moment and, and, and it was Peter's emotions that were making all these confessions, right? But he, he did not have the foundation of agape in his heart and in his life to back up what his emotions were saying. This is why, again, when that moment came and, 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 and he was pressured, uh, he denied that he even knew who Jesus was. Now, praise God. So this was Peter. We made several statements. One is that Peter's philo, warm, fond, affectionate feelings for the Lord, deceived him into thinking that his commitment to the Lord was much greater than it actually was. All right. Now, we, let's move on. We, we, we said three situations. That's the first one. The second one we see a group of people in John, the second chapter, who were drawn to the Lord. They, 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 um, and the Bible says that they believed in him because of the miracles, the, the signs, the, the miracles that they had seen him do in Cana of Galilee. They believed, but that Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. He did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. And so what we, of course, see then is that these people were caught up in that emotional connection with the Lord, those feelings, fond, affectionate feelings for the Lord. But Jesus knew that there was no agape, there was no understanding of commitment. This is why he didn't commit himself to them, because he knew that, that all they really had in their heart was fond, affectionate feelings for him. And the minute something got a little bit difficult, a little bit challenging, they were going to turn around and leave him. Then we go to John the 8th chapter. John the 8th chapter, Jesus takes care of some situations in the temple. He forgives a woman who was caught in the act of sin, uh, literally stood up to the religious bullies, which was uh, uh, literally, literally putting his life at risk because these men had the ability to arrest and even execute. Um, and, and yet Jesus stood up to them. And the Bible says in John 8 that there was another group of people who believed in Jesus. Now, you hear that, and, and we automatically think, well, these folks just got saved. No, they didn't, right? You have to ask yourself, all right, what did they believe and why did they believe it? Just because it says they believed in him, it doesn't mean that they were confessing him as their Messiah. It doesn't mean that they were uh, receiving uh, him into their heart and in their lives. They just gave him credit for doing something that they had rarely seen anybody else do. And so they were drawn to him. Listen to me now. They were attracted to him. Power is very attractive. Authority is very attractive. Miracles and signs and wonders and people doing things that, that nobody else can do. We have a tendency to be drawn to those people. We have a tendency to become fans of those people. Just like we become fans of athletic heroes or movie stars or, 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 or musicians or recording artists or, or what have you. And so these people were, were drawn to Jesus. They had philo in their heart for him. And so, so what did Jesus do? Jesus saw it as a, as a crack in the door. He saw it as an opening in their lives. And he tried to coax them into what? A deeper commitment to him. They, he said this to them, he said, if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They became angry and offended at that. 
But notice what is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to, to get them to take the philo that they have for him and, and mix some agape with it. See, he's, he's, he's asking them to make a commitment. He's asking them to commit to a process. He's asking them to, 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 to obligate themselves. He's, he's asking them uh, not about how they feel in their heart about him. He's asking them if, if they will view a relationship with him, a connection with him, following him as a duty, if they will be devoted, if they will commit themselves. And this, of course, is where they said, uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's not... We're not interested in, uh, in that at all, Jesus. And they uh, backed away from that opportunity. Amen. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit. Can you just bear with me for just one quick second, please? The last time I was in front of you was the 16th. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, praise God. I've at least got some of those notes here on the 16th. Amen. Now, let's do this. Let's go to... Amen. Man, lots of good stuff here. We'll come back to all that. All right. Maybe it's time for me just to preach and not worry about the notes. Amen. I'm really not worried about the notes. I just, when you, um, when you spend hours putting it all together, you know what I'm saying, you, you kind of get connected to it. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Amen. Luke chapter 6. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. I'll tell you what I have, I absolutely positively remember and I'll never forget. It's what the Lord told me to tell you today. Amen. And so we got that for sure. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 46. Jesus says this, he says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Now, let's keep reading. We're going to come back to that verse 46. He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. If, if you underline or highlight things in your Bible, even if you've got this whole passage underlined or marked already, I want you to somehow further emphasize that phrase, and does them. Okay? And does them. Because Jesus is about to talk to us about two people who both heard these sayings of his but the difference between these two individuals is the doing one person heard and did while another heard but did not do 
And that, more than anything else, is what Jesus is trying to emphasize in this particular parable. So again, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So one man heard the sayings of Jesus and did them. Another man heard the same sayings but did not follow through. He did not do what Jesus said. He heard it, but he didn't do it. Versus the other guy who heard and did something with it. The simple phrase that we've been saying for years around here at Heritage is this one. Are you ready? The difference is in the doing. Now we know that James, the half-brother of Jesus, he elaborated upon this later in, in his uh, epistle when he said that if you're only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the work, a hearer but not a doer, that you're going to deceive yourself. Hearing without doing equals or always leads to self-deception. Why does it lead to self-deception? Because there's power in the word of God. There, there, your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God is the answers that we're looking for in life. And, and, it, and it does something to us. If you, if you really hear the inspired Word of God, if you really take the, the inspired Word of God spoken by the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your mind, it's, it's going to encourage you. It's going to lift you. It's, it's, it's going to, to have an, an, an effect upon you in, in your emotions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many times have we come into a service feeling low, feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling maybe helpless or hopeless, and then all of a sudden, one word from God changes it all. One word from God. We, we, you know, my prayer is that every person who walks in these doors walks out of these doors uh, at least feeling better about themselves. Right. You ever been to church and left and, and, and you felt worse than you did when you got there? Man, that's not good news. Are you hearing me? I am a gospel preacher. I am a, I, am a, I am a proclaimer of the good news of God. And so when you hear good news from your creator, it has a tendency to put some wind in your sails. It has a tendency to make you feel better about your situation. It has a tendency to make you think everything's going to be all right. But if you don't ever act on what you hear, then nothing ever really changes but what happens is it deceives you much like Peter had been deceived, right? It deceived him into thinking that he was far more committed to God than he actually was. It deceived him into thinking that, that, that Jesus had a much higher place in his life than he actually had. It deceived him into thinking, right, that, that, that because him and the Lord were buds, that no matter what came his way, he was going to be all right. 
See, just saying that, as, as the Lord was dealing with me about some of these things, I thought, well, is, is that not the case? And actually, no, it's not the case, because having fond affectionate feelings for the Lord in your heart, as important as that is, that's not going to be enough to enable you to stand when all hell breaks loose against your life and your family. Because what comes out of your mouth, right, when the pressure is applied? You squeeze a ketchup bottle, ketchup's coming out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. In other words, what you are most confident in, what you have the most trust in, right, that's what you're going to go to when the pressure is applied to you every single time. This is why when the pressure was applied to Peter... He went to what so many people go to. He went to trying to save his own hide. He went to what seemed right, to what made sense, to what felt safe in that moment. He went to his own understanding, not the wisdom of God. Now, there's a lot of things that we've covered over the course of our study. Remember when David was going to face Goliath? And Saul says to David, here, if you're going to fight him, at least put on my armor. And, and David put on that armor, but he said, look, I, thanks, but no thanks. Because what? He says, these, these are not proven to me. Now, I'm going to kind of exaggerate the point here. Reckon David had heard about Saul's armor? Now, that may sound silly to you, almost, a, almost like I'm trying to shoehorn something in here to fit. Listen, Saul had the nicest set of armor of any human being on planet Earth. He had the finest money could buy. It was stuff of legend. The fact that, that he was going to allow David to even see it, much less put it on, was, was a compliment. It, it, it was a high honor. And for David to be bold enough to say thank you, but no thank you. You understand know what I'm saying? In other words, it's like, it's like the king has offered me his honor, and, I mean his armor, and it's almost like you know, we, we can't disrespect him by not at least putting it on. But David said, look, sir, thank you, but no thank you, because I, I, that's not proven to me. But let me tell you what's been proven to me. Let me tell you, I've done the work with this stuff, and, I, and I've, I've, I've used, the, the Lord has, has used my slingshot and my rocks to, to deliver a bear into my hand, to deliver a lion into my hand. These things are proven to me. In other words, what is he saying? He says, these are things that I haven't just heard about. These are things that I have actually put some effort into. These are things that I have done. These are things that I have followed through on. These are things that I have applied to my life. And now facing a, a, a threat, an enemy, I'm not going to go to something that I don't know, even if it promises you know, to be the best or whatever. I'm going with what God has shown me works. You see the difference here. What's the difference? The difference is trust. He had no trust. He had no confidence in Saul's armor. But he had confidence in the Lord's ability to use a slingshot and a rock to deliver a foe into his hand that was bigger than him. Greater than him. So now, see, Peter's heard all this. He's been with Jesus. He's seen the miracles all of these things, and man, he, he's feeling invincible until some real threat comes to him. And instead of going with what he knew from the Lord, 
he reverted back to his own understanding, what made sense, what seemed right, what felt safe in the moment. He had philo, but no agape. Now, that's exactly what we're seeing here. See, the, the, the reality of it, listen now, the, 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 the context is, listen very carefully now, the context is that both of these individuals, both of these men called Jesus Lord. Both of them said to him, Lord, Lord. Because this is where the, 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 the story begins, this is where the parable begins, right? Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Both of these men heard the things that Jesus said, and both of them responded with, Lord, Lord. Now, this may sound really simple to you, but don't, please don't discount this. All right, this is, I'm here to tell you a lot of stuff this morning, but here, here is some stuff that's just right off, fresh off the press. Are you ready? Hot off the press. Are you ready? This is what the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you or to remind you of this morning, okay? That Lord, Lord is not a term of endearment, nor is it a pet name for Jesus. It's not a term of endearment, nor is it a pet name for Jesus. What do I mean by that? More, more importantly, what does the Holy Spirit mean by that? Is not a term of endearment. Do you understand terms of endearment? I call Pam darling. When we were dating, I called her, instead of baby doll, I called her doll baby. My friends used to poke fun at me for that. That's okay. That was a pet name that I had for her. It was a term of endearment. We should never think of the word the title, rather, thank you, Holy Spirit, the title, Lord, as a term of endearment or use it as a pet name for Jesus. It is a title that denotes rank and worship and commands the highest respect. When we call him Lord and do not mean it, it's not just offensive to him, it is, it is very destructive on our part. It is very deceptive on our part. Jesus is Lord. It's speaking of his position. It's speaking of his rank. Notice he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, right? Lord, 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 Lord this and Lord, Lord that, Lord, Lord this and Lord, Lord that. It, it, it had become, you know, like, um, if, you've, if you ever watch any, any British television, they call uh, the boss Gov. You ever watch anything on BBC? They call the boss Gov. 
is short for governor. Are you with me? It's kind of a, it's, it, it, in other words, you, if you're going to like really show respect to somebody like in, in a high-ranking position, you would never call them gov. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? See, we've, we've, we've gotten a little too casual with this without really understanding what it means for him to be Lord. Jesus is Lord. Let me tell you how serious this is. There is coming a day when every person who has ever breathed oxygen in this atmosphere will bow their knee to Jesus and confess that he is Lord. It's his rank. It's his title. It's, it's, it's a term of worship. Remember what worship means. Worship doesn't mean clapping your hands and singing some songs. Worship means recognizing who God is and who you are in relationship to Him. See, if we're not careful, we will call Him Lord out of Philo. My friend, listen to me, please. Lord doesn't coincide with Philo. Lord coincides with agape. When you understand what Lord really means, Lord has more to do with duty, honor, respect, devotion, faithfulness, service. See, that's, that's agape. Agape aligns itself with, with Lord. This is why he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? It's inconceivable for you to call me Lord if you, to, you know, it's inconceivable for you to understand what it means for me to be Lord and you just blow off things that I tell you to do. Why would we do that? Well, it's because me and Jesus are close. I cannot tell you how much, I, I, I shouldn't say that, I'm excited about some of the things that the Lord has for us in the days ahead, and I'm, I'm really chomping at the bit to get to some of that stuff, but I'm telling you, there's something really important here, there's something extremely important here that we, we got to understand and we've got to change. There are a lot of people, listen to me now, there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people who have fond, affectionate feelings in their heart for Jesus that never even gave coming to church this morning a second thought. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why, are you being all legalistic about that? No, your Lord said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Your Lord said that. Your, uh, see, this is a word, and I, I understand, you know, if you watch Home and Garden TV, you know, it's no longer a master bedroom, if you didn't know that. It's, it's a primary bedroom because, you know, it, listen, there are several scourges on the history of this nation, and slavery is absolutely one of the biggest, if not the biggest, I think the only thing that rivals the mistake this country's made in the form of slavery is the mistake we're currently making. I think of the, of the ones that we have record of now, we're up to 63 million babies that we've aborted. 
So I, I'm, I, I, you know, again, I don't want to be insensitive and understand that terminology. But Jesus is to be Lord means He's Master. He is He is Master, not in some tyrannical, you know, slave owner. That's that's not who He is. You know that. But He's Master. I've learned a lot of things from Brother Keith Moore, and one of the things that I've learned is that Brother Keith Moore often refers to our Lord as his master. It's not a term of endearment. It's not some little cutesy, bootsy thing that we, you know, roll off our lips. There's some seriousness to it. It's important. Amen. Amen. See, Philo will have you convinced that Jesus is your Lord. But where's the duty? Where's the devotion? Where's the faithfulness? Where's the service? Where's the responsibility? Where's the work? Where's the effort? Where's the... Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Maybe, follow what I'm saying? All right, let's, um, while we're here, praise God. There is, um, there's something that the Lord laid on my heart um, several years ago. For those of you who were a part of Heritage in those days, we spent, the better part of a year together studying the subject of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You see, Philo will try to convince you that the fear of the Lord doesn't apply to you. Are you hearing me? We're under grace, Pastor Mark. Are you kidding me? Well, what would you do if I was to tell you that Jesus demonstrated the fear of God as God in the flesh on this earth? The fear of the Lord is not just an Old Testament, uh, you know, doing or saying or, or principle. It is a universal principle because the true fear of God is not to hide in a corner afraid of Him, but again, the fear of the Lord is, is this whole concept of, of respect, this deep awe and, 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 and recognition of who he is and who we are in relationship to him. And here's the unique thing about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, just like trusting the Lord, are things that we have to learn. They don't come automatically. We see throughout the scripture where Father God was constantly trying to teach his people to fear him. Not because he wants you, again, to be afraid of him, but because he wants you to have the proper understanding of who he is and then the proper understanding of who you are in relationship to him. See, Philo, because, again, you and Jesus are close, you ever have, a, 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 I think I've used this before, but let me, you ever, you ever have a teacher in school that for whatever reason you got to be very close to 
And because you got to be very close to them, you got to feeling like the rules in their classroom didn't apply to you because you were close to that teacher. And maybe because that teacher, you know, had a fond place in, in her or his heart for you, they kind of let you slide on some things that they didn't necessarily let other people slide on. See, that's, that's philo. Now you, you've, you've crossed a line or a teacher has, in our day and age, my God, crossing a line you know, could, could mean a sexual relationship. That's not what I'm talking about, obviously. I'm just talking about where that, that familiarity in, in, in that, um, you know, Bethany was, a, was an outstanding student all through school, and she became very, very close uh, to, to some of her teachers. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's odd now because, like, you know, she's a teacher, and, um, and, you know, she'll call them by their last name, Mrs. Whatever, and they'll say, oh, no, no, call me by my first name, you know. Um, are, you, are you with me? I had a, I had a friend in, in school while she was still a student, she had became so close to our English teacher that she called her Kay. It was her first name. And, and I'm like, what in the world, you know? But that, that was just the relationship that they had. She didn't do it publicly or whatever, you know. But, you know, am I losing you on all this? See, again, if we're not careful, we'll let Philo deceive us into approaching the things of God that way. Well, you know, me and Jesus, we're so close. I don't, I don't have to do that. I don't, I mean, I don't have to... You know, he understands. I mean, I, you know, I'll catch up on my tithes one day. I mean, me and Jesus are close. I mean, he's blessing me. He's helping me. So, so you know, as we, we, we start letting Philo deceive us into thinking that duty and responsibility and honor and respect and lordship, right? So to help me personally in this, the Lord gave me something, and it, it remains to this day in a list that I keep on my phone called Daily Thoughts and Confessions. And it goes like this. My life is not my own to do with as I please. I've been bought with a price. God is potter and I am clay. He is infinitely more to me than Potter. Are you hearing me? He is so much more to me than Potter. He is, he is my Savior. He is my Father. He is my Abba. He is my healer. But God is Potter, and I am clay. He is infinitely more to me than Potter, and I am infinitely more to him than clay. But Potter and clay is where our relationship began. And I cannot afford to ever lose sight of that. Are you following me? It's very, very easy for us to let our guard down. Very, very easy for us to let Philo think, you know, um, you, you know it's just this or that or me or the. No, no, see, again, he is so much more to me than Potter, and I am so much more to him than Clay. I know that. His word teaches that. I am 100% convinced of that. But, but listen to me, please. That is, Potter and Clay is where our relationship began, and I must never lose sight of this no matter how close our fellowship becomes. I, I am closer to the Lord today than, than I have ever been in my life. I don't, I'm not telling you that bragging. 
You know, in the same way, I'm closer to Pam than I've ever been in my life. Tenure and fellowship and sharing life and, and, and things, you know, together, it, it deepens those bonds of fellowship. It deepens um, the, 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 the philo. Are you hearing me? It, it, it does, and it's a beautiful thing. God, you know I philo you. You know I philo you. Remember when Peter's having that conversation with him and, 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 the, and the Lord asked him, he says, he says, do you? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I do. He was convinced that that was in his heart. For, but that wasn't what Jesus was questioning. He wasn't questioning his philo. He was questioning his commitment. He was questioning his trust, his, his sense of duty, his sense of devotion, his sense of commitment and faithfulness. All right, let's, let, me, let me finish this here because I don't know if we'll be back here next Sunday. Let's go back to, to Luke 6 and 46. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Okay? Not every gospel account includes that part of the story and I think it's one of the most critical parts of the story like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock see we're talking about some work here if 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 your life is going to be securely planted on an immovable foundation, the chief cornerstone himself, then it's going to require some effort on your part. I'm sharing all my favorite TV shows with you, but um, I guess I've watched every episode of this old house that exists, some of them more than once. And, you know, Roger is... Uh, He's rarely, if ever, on there anymore. I understand he's dealing with some health issues. But what we would refer to as topsoil here in the South, Raj calls it loam. Loam. What is loam? Loam is that rich stuff that, that the plants and flowers and all that stuff grow in. It's great for planting and growing, but it's lousy for supporting a building. You see, what we would do here is we have to dig through the topsoil and get down to the clay and then pour the foundation on the clay. It's much easier because you know, everybody's excited. We're ready to build a house, man. Who wants to spend all this time and effort and money, you know, and labor digging through the topsoil? Let's just build the house right on top of this and keep, keep trucking, right? So, but no, again, you, you've got to dig through all those layers to get down to something that will support the kind of life that you ultimately want to live. What, what is all that stuff that you're digging through? Well, if you th what is topsoil? Let's start with that. Topsoil 
is all the things that have blown onto that property over a long period of time, leaves that have fallen out of the trees and landed there, things that have accumulated there randomly over long periods of time that have decayed and, 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 and rottened and, and have become a permanent part of that piece of property. And if you're going to build a, a home on that piece of property, you're going to have to dig through all of that first in order to get down to something that will ultimately support the house that you want to build on that piece of property. Now, as it comes to a man or a woman's life, digging deep means we've got to cut through all of the attitudes and mindsets that have developed in us over the years that are not in agreement with the Word of God and the wisdom of God and the ways of God for our lives. You have had accumulate in your heart, for an example, ways to, do with, ways to deal with money, how to handle money, how to manage money. More than likely, you learn how to manage money from your parents who learn how to manage money from their parents who learn how to manage money from their parents. Notice the accumulative effect of these things, how it's just built up and layered up in, in, in your life. And so what happens so many times when it comes to a man or a woman's financial life is they go with what has accumulated in their heart over time that makes sense, seems right, and feels safe. But if you're going to do finances God's way, you've got to take a big old excavator and you've got to dig through all of that. Because that kind of thinking, that kind of doing, that, that way of managing your money will never support the kind of prosperity that God wants you to have and experience and enjoy in your life. You've got to dig deep. How do you dig deep? You dig deep by hearing what Jesus said about money. And, and, and as, as foreign as it may sound, as different as it may sound, as much as it does not look like the topsoil that you've been trying to build your financial life upon, you say, you know what? I'm not going with what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to me. I'm going to go with what Jesus said. I heard him say, give, and it'll be given unto me. I heard him, right? And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually do this. got to land this plane all the ways of God are designed to do what somebody say it back to me please oh have I failed you as a teacher all the ways of God are designed to do what teach you to trust him all the ways of God are designed to teach you to trust him can he take you one step further than your trust in him will allow he cannot take you any further in life than your trust in him will allow your trust sets the limit, not his supply, not his ability, not his wisdom for your life. It's your willingness to follow him and to do what he says for you to do. And, and so notice now, you've got two men. Both heard what Jesus said. Both left those uh, uh, meetings with fresh wind in their sails. Both left those meetings feeling better about their, their situations. Both left those meetings, probably even both of them took notes, right? Man, I got to write, I got to go buy the tapes on this one. Man, let's download that sermon right there and put it on repeat, right? Both of them heard this. Both of them called him Lord. Only one of them had agape. You see, only one of them said, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to this. I'm going to do this. This is going to be hard 
work. This is, this is going to be challenging for me. I've never, my, no generation of my family's ever lived like this, but I'm, I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to do it his way. The fruit of trusting God. All right, remember this one? Trusting the Lord will lead you through experiences that will open doors of knowing and seeing in your heart that cannot be opened any other way. So both these guys got these two beautiful homes. I, I picture them next door to each other, right? Here comes the wind. Here comes the rain. Here comes the storm. As that old insurance commercial used to say, life comes at you fast. And when everything's settled, one of them's collapsed in on itself and the other one is standing like nothing ever happened. And the only difference between the two is that one of them heard what Jesus said, called him Lord and understood what it meant and did what he, did what he told him to do. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Now, there's two things specifically that I was to tell you this morning from the Holy Spirit. The first one was, and I'm going to say it again, Lord is not a term of endearment, nor is it a pet name for Jesus. Okay? The second one is this. The second one is this. When he... When he first began to speak to us about learning to trust him, and, and I'm not going to ask you if you remember this, I'm just going to believe in Jesus' name that you remember it, and this is going to bring it back to your memory, okay? He specifically told us that we need to trust higher, not lower, or, thank you, Holy Spirit, to trust up and not down. Remember this? Trust up and not down. To trust greater, not lesser. And with that, the Holy Spirit explained to us that people try to trust things that are beneath them because they ultimately are wanting to trust but remain in control. And we said the dilemma of trust is control, right? You, if you're going to trust, you've got you to relinquish control. So the Lord's word to us was that we, we've got to trust up and not down something greater than you, not something lesser than you. If you've put your trust in money, you've put your trust in something, you can go sell something today and get some more of. You control that. Put your trust in something greater than you. See, now we've we got something that we, we, we don't control. Trust up, not down. Trust greater, not lesser. Okay, now I had this mapped out a lot better in my notes, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit's still going to help us get it regardless, all right? It's a very simple question. He said, how can you trust what you don't respect? How can you trust what you don't respect? You know, there are people who don't, respect banks and so they don't trust them with their money 
Are you seeing this, right? It's a real simple, loose way of trying to, I think, get over to you what the Holy Spirit's wanting us to say here. But if, if we were to take it, I'm not going to do it, but if we go back and reverse everything, you know, work our way back through some of the things that we've said this morning, let's go back to Lord, Master. It's not a term of endearment. It's not a pet name. It's one that, that commands and demands respect and honor. It's a title. Okay? But if it's just a pet name for the Lord, it's, it's just something we call Jesus, are you following me? With no real respect for it, then whether we realize this or not, we're not going to trust what we don't respect. See, when, I went, when, the, when the Lord had me confessing all those years ago, my life's not my own to do as I please. I was doing that to humble myself, to, to remind myself some, a daily practice, but it had an effect on me that I did not see coming or anticipate. And it's some of the greatest measures and levels of peace that I've ever experienced in my life. Why? It's because I'm acknowledging that he's greater than me. I'm acknowledging that, that I exist because of him, that he's the creator, I'm the creation, he's the potter, I'm the clay. I'm acknowledging his lordship. I'm acknowledging that he is master. Amen. And then I'm not out here, you know, flapping in the breeze trying to make my life up as I go along. And, and, and all of a sudden, I'm realizing that I have more peace, more rest, more confidence, and more trust in the Lord than I've ever had in my life. Father, you're good to us. You're so good to us. You're so patient with us, Father. How many times, Lord, have... have have we thrown that word Lord around without ever even really considering what it means or what, or what our response to that title should be or our respect for that title should be? Jesus, we acknowledge you this morning as Lord. You are Master. We are your disciples. We are your followers. We commit ourselves to you and to your wisdom and to your ways and to your word. Forgive us for being hearers only and not doers. Talking about how much we love you but never really trusting you enough to do what you say. Father, it's our desire to make some real progress for you and for your glory and for your kingdom in our lives and in our families and in our church this year. And I believe this is the kind of progress, Lord, that you're looking for in each of us. Father, we're not afraid of you, but we fear you. In the most beautiful and purest way that you intended when you chose that word, to communicate what you desire, the, the, the master key attitude, Father. Help us dig through the lies and the wrong thinking and the, and the, and the false beliefs and the, and the things that we've embraced, Lord, that seem right and, and make sense to us in the moment and certainly feel safe. Help us, Lord, as we commit ourselves to it, to do the work, to love you enough, to agape you enough, to trust you enough to do what you say. Because you desire to open our eyes to some things 
eyes of seeing, eyes of knowing in our heart that cannot be opened any other way. Father, as we stand before you in this room, I believe that your Holy Spirit is moving in and out of these aisles and these rows. Your Holy Spirit is bringing to the surface and each person that's listening to me, even those online, Father, Lord, you, you, you're bringing up to us that next step that we need to take. That next level up uh, on our commitment, Lord, to you. The thing that you've been prompting us and speaking to us about now for some time. Forgive us for using our philo for you as an excuse for not doing those things. And thank you for your mercy to protect us in what is nothing more than disobedience and even rebellion. Help us understand the great Lord, of these things, beyond what mere words from my mouth can do, Father, what only your Holy Spirit, the convincer, the great convincer of men's hearts, what he can do. If we've let some things slip, show us, Father. Correct us, help us. For truly, our lives are not our own to do with as we please. Father, we pray for those, and I, I know, Lord, different folks that are dealing with some different things this morning. They may not necessarily want all of that put out over the world wide web, but Lord, you know these situations, you know these needs. People that are either part of this family of faith or connected in some way to others who are apart. Lord, I just pray for these different situations this morning. People who uh, need you um, desperately, Father that I'm not really sure if they know how desperately they are in need of you. But Lord, I pray that their eyes will be open today. We take authority over demonic spirits that are trying to blind and even destroy them. And I thank you, Father, for an awakening in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I pray that everything you put your hand to this week is going to prosper for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Good things coming for you and for yours. Amen.